0: Yeah, I remember that one, that's why I all of a sudden busted out laughing. <laughs> but, uh, uh, does everybody get uh, a set of notes? The I uh, just want to let you know that uh, hopefully that I will do my best to stick to my notes because you might have two pages, but I think I've got like seven and a half pages. So hopefully I can move uh, through it and stay focused and give you what I've got. But um, <clears throat> pressure's on now that the uh, top guy's in here, well, second to the top guy's, well, the top guy's still in here, but <laughs> the uh, top guy's as far as Jesus Christ, but his, uh, he's in here now, the pressure's on. Let's have a word of prayer. Dearly Father, come before you now in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this time, thank you for this privilege that uh, pastors allowed me, that you've given me, Father, to um, go over some basic Bible doctrines. Lord, I pray that we take it to heart, and uh, as I've studied these and the convictions you've given me, Lord, uh, may um, you work through me, too, dear Lord. And I pray that you just help me, and um, Lord, may I live uh, what I'm teaching, dear Father. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen. Uh, today, dealing with dealing with sin, and it's an obvious given that as as believers generally where we falter, where we have difficulties living for Christ is because it's usually going to be there's sin in our life. If we had it uh, resolved, we wouldn't have the issue. But um, uh, it, it's not that we're not going to have difficulties, even when we're, we don't have an issue with sin, uh, because we have the world, we have Satan that hates us. But the key thought here in your notes, in, in what I'm dealing with sin, I'm talking about as far as after salvation. I'm not talking about somebody that hasn't gotten saved yet. A lot of times I think we counsel people on how to deal with their sin that are lost. It's like it's no value to them because they need to get born again. They like, well, just go ahead and ask forgiveness. For, why? It, it, I mean, God needs to be their father. And once he's their father, then it's an issue of, hey, you need to ask God to forgive you for that sin. But until that point is, they need to recognize, that's just another, we already covered as far as salvation. But the key thought is righteousness, righteousness. And I put to the right there, just the very basic, when everything's synthesized down, and, and we could you, you could, you could do a study on righteousness and, and take a week or so to do a study on the righteousness of God and the righteousness in our life. But just when it, when it all boils down to it, what does righteousness really mean? It means right with God. It's being right with God, no matter what we're doing, where we're at, how we're, uh, what we're thinking, what we're watching, what we're reading, uh, our activities we're involved in, is it right with God? Um, would God, you know, they, they used to have this thing here, uh, as far as a little bracelet, what would Jesus do, and now it's just kind of become a cliche, but in a lot of ways, it's, it's true. It's like everything you're doing Would Jesus do it? Would Jesus go there? Would Jesus watch it? Would Jesus listen to this? Um, So, but to get in here, how do I overcome sin in my life? And that's the key that we all need to face, especially as young Christians or when we're counseling somebody. There in your notes, a a famous preacher once said that when a saved person begins to battle sin in his own life, he enters a combat so intense it makes World War II look like a Sunday school picnic. This truth is not evident to a young Christian, but as you grow, you will realize further the intensity of the struggle. And and I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I realize it's a battle. It's been a battle. And unfortunately, when I was younger, I, I took it too casually. You know, you know about some things, but you just don't realize you know, Satan's been around a whole lot longer than I've been. You know, how many thousands of years has he been on the battlefield and honed his skills compared to by almost almost 61 years now? As we, thank you very much. I love you too, brother. As we, uh, as we saw very briefly in the lesson quickened, when you got saved, you became two people. Your old man in Adam's image has a sinful nature, and your new man in Christ, Jesus, has God's image. This lesson is designed to help you combat the sin nature of the old man. What is sin? And a lot of this stuff here, I know I'm speaking to the choir, and a lot of it is kind of review. um, But uh, it's something that it's always good to be reminded of. Um, Sin is breaking God's law. In like in, le- in past lessons that I've done, I've read a lot of the scriptures. I'm, I'm going to be reading a good bit of scripture today, but I'm not going to read as much as I, I normally. Well, you're going th- I'm not going to read as much as I normally do. Just it's something you would need to check out at a later time. 1 John three four, sin is any unrighteousness. 1 John five seventeen, the first one is breaking God's law. The second one is sin is any unrighteousness. See, sin is anything done apart from faith, and we've, we've heard that before. Romans 14, 23. Sin is doing anything outside of God's will. And this is something that I, I came across this passage of Scripture this week, got to reading it in, in really, uh, really kind of kind of eye-opener as far as sin. Sin is doing anything outside of God's will for and within our life. James 4, 13 and 17. Go to now, ye say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Now, in and of itself, is that an issue or is that a sin? Not enumerated in the Bible, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you continue on reading, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for your, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanished away. For what ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such thing is evil. Therefore, him to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Boy, I need to stick to my notes. Basically, Have we consulted God and sought his will concerning every aspect in our life? What occupation should I endeavor? What school, university, college should I go to? Who to date? Who to marry? Where to live? What house to buy? Where to move to? What church to go to? If the Holy Spirit leads you to a church, be careful that it's the Holy Spirit leading you away from a church and not your flesh not your emotions, not someone else, not anything else, but that it's God. Because if you're convinced that God brought you to a church, you better be just as convinced if not more that God is leading you away from that church. And generally, if God is involved as a general rule, all right, if everything is on the up and up with the church you're involved in and there's nothing any just grossly, violation of scripture and all that kind of stuff, but everything's on the up and up. Everybody will generally, when I'm talking about everybody, talk talking about you, your wife, uh, your parents, um, <clears throat> the pastor, everybody will be in agreement, will be in tune, will have an understanding. It will, it will be a harmonious thing and not some bitter cutting of way because that is not how God operates. God is, God is operational in unity when everything is on the up and up and and righteous. Um, It's not to to say that, well, I, I can give examples in my life where I felt like I want to move away, but Lord, I know you brought me here, so it needs to be in your timing. And sometimes it's been two and three years, and the Lord just unfolded the plan, and everything worked out fine with everybody involved to where, it, it took place. But um, continue on here, what to buy, where to move to, the house to go, or the church to go to, et cetera. Or do we live life that we are not bought with a price and God has no say in anything? The key to live in God's direct, the key is to live in God's direct will, what he desires in every aspect of your life. So going back to that passage I just read, You know, we're going to go into a city and we're going to start a business. As believers, have we even consulted God? Is God in the mix? Is God at the forefront? All right, are we just kind of doing things on our own? Him aside, he's just kind of like a piece of jewelry, as as many, so many things are in Christianity. The next point here, why do I sin? You sin because you inherited, There a blank you have, inherited a sin nature from Adam. You know Romans 5:12, "Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned." So we have 1 Corinthians 15:45 through 49 is another great passage that relates to this. Number B there, you sin because your old nature draws you into sinning. Your old nature draws you into or pulls you into sinning. James 1, 13 through 15. Let no man say that when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. Now, before you say, well, what about over here in this scripture where it said God tempts? The context here is tempts with evil. All right? Any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away from, of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Well, I know a Christian that did a really bad sin, and he seemed to have gotten away with it. Well, he might have not have died physically, but what about the death of a relationship? What about the death of a marriage? What about the death of, 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 of another uh, new believer? that was looking to you as far as an example of how you should live a Christian life and decisions you made, all right, and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you've fallen away, and how many other people have fallen away from following the Lord, the death of their relationship, their fellowship with God based on what you've done. So the death can, it can impact in, le- in many different ways rather than just a physical death. Also in Romans 4, 14-25, the Apostle Paul writes of the battle he has between his flesh and the spirit, between, between doing right and doing what is evil and sin. He closes in verse 25 with, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. <clears throat> Being born again, we have two natures representing two men, the old and the new. The new is our quickened spirit and the old is our flesh and blood body we were physically born with and that encases our soul and spirit. You you may have heard this analogy before, but you own two fighting dogs. Which one you feed continually is the one that will overpower the other. And if they could do it equally, okay, here. In your handout, you said most Christians are trying to casually feed their spiritual nature. And if they could do it equally, we have scripture that says it makes God sick, lukewarm. Meaning, faithfully, this this is the meaning there as far as doing it equally. Give me an example. I've been there, I've done that for too many years. Being faithfully, have the time of devotions every day of prayer and Bible reading, but as well as faithfully watching spiritually unhealthy TV and movies. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there, you've done it. And the reason why I say it, because I'm, I can guarantee you I've been the chiefest at it. Come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, hear great messages. Man, it was awesome. Go home. Can't wait to get home. Preachers normally long-winded, but tonight he spent like an extra 10 minutes, so he went instead of 40, he went 50 minutes preaching, and then we sit down in front of, let's pick a movie, Um, I'm going to guess, I can't think of his name, thank goodness, Uh, I really don't like him anymore, Um, Ghost Protocol, Mission Impossible. What's that? Yeah, Tom Cruise. All right, And I don't think they even rated R. I think it might be rated PG-13 or something like that. But we'll sit down there and it's like, man. And we'll watch two and a half hours in a flash and not get up and say, man, that movie was so long. I can't believe they took two and a half. I don't know why they didn't get all that done in an hour and a half. You know what I'm saying? Just a thought. Just a thought. Been there, done that. There in your notes, know. Jesus was tempted in these three areas. Oh, no, here, here, let me back up. You sin as a result of temptation in three major areas, which are outlined in 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All right, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life the, uh, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Jesus was also tempted in these three areas, yet without sin. They're in Hebrews 4.15. Number one, the lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh. What the body craves, it will only bring temporary, carnal fulfillment and pleasure. What the, what the body craves, it will only bring temporary carnal fulfillment and pleasure. Eve was tempted in this point when she saw the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and was good for food. There in Genesis 3, 6. Jesus was tempted after being without food for 40 days. You're talking about somebody who's starving. In one of the weakest points of his ministry, out without food for 40 days, Satan comes to him and tempts him As far as turning stones to bread, you're hungry. There, Matthew chapter four, three, number two, the lust of the eyes. What the eyes crave, and that triggers. (laughs) Sorry for these words, decadent urges. D-E-C-A-T-D-E-N-T. And I I spell it because if I were out in the crowd, I'd probably need somebody to spell that for me. Decadent urges, carnal appetites, and temptations. The eyes crave and that triggers decadent urges, carnal appetites, and temptations. E was also tempted here when she saw the tree was pleasant to the eyes. Jesus was tempted as well when the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world and promised to give them to him in exchange for worshiping him. Now I've said this for a number of years. Jesus Christ was not the first, and he for sure has not been the last, that the devil has gone to and tempted with these three things. I am convinced that he's done it with a lot of movie stars, you know, the stars of heaven, and we worship them like stars of heaven. I believe he's done it to many movie stars, a lot of rock stars, the rock music we talk to, gone to them, say, hey, you you worship me, you do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it, and I will make sure you got fame, fortune, riches, popularity. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. And they become superstars. And every once in a microcosmic second, someone may have gotten saved, and bam, they're off the scene. You never hear of them again. Never hear of them again. But I I believe it happens to a lot of people that are in politics, that just go up the ladder but boy, when they crash, they crash. You Like Adolf Hitler. Third, <clears throat> the pride of life. What the soul craves to fulfill an earthly arrogance, earthly arrogance and a devilish self, self-worth. A devilish self-worth. The pride of life. Eve fell to the temptation that the fruit of tree of the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Jesus overcame the temptation to attempt a suicide to prove the angels would rescue him. You realize that? That's what, that's what Satan was doing. Here, cast yourself down. And of course, what would have happened if the angels weren't there to catch him? Splat. He'd have committed suicide. Go ahead and attempt suicide to prove that you're a God and that the angels will be there to to collect you, to protect you. It's like saying, oh, yeah, I I trust God. Nothing's going to happen to me. So I run up here on 895, overpass, where everybody else does for whatever, well, I know why, for they're doing it. Park your car and then go to the edge and jump off. All right? I trust God. He's not going to let me die. Today's not my day. I'll tell you what, if I do that, God's going to say, all right. But that's what, that was what Satan was trying to get Jesus Christ to do as far as, hey, prove to us. You can, you can do this. The angels are there to protect you. Go ahead and attempt suicide. Catch yourself down. How does God, it's going on in our notes, how does God regard my sin now that I am his child? This first point here, If you grasp it, you'll never be concerned about ever losing your eternal security because of sin or or, or your salvation because of sin, your eternal security. The sin or sins of your entire life, your entire existence, before you were even born, your entire life were judged by God at Calvary. 2 Corinthians 5.21. But going on in verse um, B there, if, as a child of God, if you continue in sin or allow sin to rule you, God will chasten, let's see your blank there, chasten you as a father chastises his son. Now, I don't know if you've all taken the time to read this passage, and it's, um, it's, one, it's a passage that I was taught. That I, that I taught uh, three or four sessions of discipleship evangelism as far as teaching people how to lead people to the Lord. But also, part of that discipleship evangelism was how to deal with people that are backslidden and need to get back with, right with God. And this is one of the main foundational passages of Scripture that we use, or that I use, as far as dealing with somebody who may be backslidden. But there in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 11. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards, meaning you're illegitimate. You're imitators. You're faking it. You've never been born again. You're just putting on a show. You go there to Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, when Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you to those people that think everything's okay. And not sons. Furthermore, We have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. I can assure you that is the case. But grievous, nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them, which are exercised thereby. And you have some other references there. Job 5, 17 and Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 are great as far as the chastening hand of God. See, God will allow, God will allow you to reap according to what you have sown. To reap according to what you have sown. Galatians 6, 7 and 8 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And if you really study that out and understand it, and we'll get to it in just a split second, you can see what that means by, till the flesh reap corruption. We're not just talking about necessarily physical body corruption, just your thinking, your mind, how it thinks, how it operates, the emotional aspect of it. But but he that sow to the Spirit, shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. Okay, they're in your notes. Maybe in your notes, I'm not sure. Sowing to or in the flesh reaps mental health difficulties, uncontrolled and gripping fears, personality disorders, and physical diseases. It also reaps premature, that's a blank you have there. It also reaps premature death of your physical body. Never will a child of God be allowed to get away with intentional and known sin. God does not allow it for his children. Not a matter that, oh, you're, I mean, the reason I say this is because I've heard it numerous times. Oh you're Baptist, you believe you can just, you know, get saved and get, you know, sin and get away with it. No, 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 you never get away with it. You never get away with it. it. It's going to impact your life somehow, some way. And you might be fortunate to live a long time, but when you get to heaven and stand before Jesus Christ, the rubber's going to hit the road. You're going to hit a brick wall and say, oh, my whole life has been a waste as as your child. Reap corruption of the mind, soul, and body if the chasing of the Lord doesn't correct the failures. That's what you'll reap as far as the corruption. The corruption of your mind and your soul and your body uh, as far as just unchecked, undealt with uh, sin in our life. Sowing to or in the spirit reaps the fruit of the spirit, reaps or reproduces spiritual fruit now. This has great, and here's a blank up here. This has great ramifications. 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 R-A-M-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N-S on everlasting life for others and your own afterlife. The judgment seat of Christ is coming. So into your flesh not only has terrible repercussions on your life, but it also has has repercussions on countless lives of others. Just consider that. You You know what I'm talking about? That how you live your life as a believer especially as a father or mother, will have a huge impact, good or bad, on your children. So it's not a matter of, it's just my sin, it's just affecting me, it may prematurely kill me. No, God may decide to prematurely kill your son because you won't get right. (laughs) I can't believe God would do that. Ask King David that. Here God killed an innocent baby that had no decision making in the fact of what David and Bathsheba did. And God took the baby. So living in sin that you won't get resolved is going to impact other people. Look at the people that if you live for the Lord and you sowed in the Spirit, and you were in the Spirit, and you were sowing the seed, how many people could have come to know Jesus Christ? To where now that you're living in the flesh, you have no power, you have no, you know, yeah, you might have some good words you can talk to somebody about, but not really have the power of God in your life. D, God sees your life being unnecessarily shortened because of the refusal to obey and live righteously for him. We're talking about how, to, how does God see my sin as now his child. How many relationships and marriages have been unnecessarily killed because of selfish, unloving decisions and actions? Uh, Corinthians 13, five, chapter 5, 1 through, uh, one, uh, one through 5. Uh, Instead of reading it, we're talking about as far as the the young man that has had a relationship with his father's wife in in the church is not doing anything about it. They're not upset. You know, it's one of those things, well, don't be judgmental attitude. or what? We're not being judgmental. The Bible is judging actions. It's just a matter that nothing was being done, and the Apostle Paul was like, really? He was hot about it. And, And how does he end that about that? about that person, to deliver, okay, here, here uh, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, and my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan, for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus, First Corinthians eleven twenty seven 27-31, you've heard me uh, comment here here a week or two ago, as far as pastor, I've never been in a church that that has done a more phenomenal job in preparing you to take the Lord's Supper. By the time he gets done, the last thing you want to do is take the Lord's Supper if your act is not straight. All right, because you're worried as far as, "Good night, is that Mack truck going to run over my car on the way home? I'm going to be gone." And that's the way it should be. That's one of the motive. That's one of the reasons for the Lord's Supper is for us to get our life right. Obeying God will add blessings in length of your days, according to Proverbs 3, 1 through 11, uh, which is a great passage. What things can I do to overcome sin? Your, your sin is your own fault, not anyone else's. You must accept responsibility for your sin. You will never correct anything until you face up to your responsibility. Uh, Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them, shall have mercy. That blank is accept responsibility if anybody missed it. B, don't allow sinful thoughts to control your mind, and when it happens, have the habit of attacking it, I'm talking about the sinful thought, with all vengeance. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and 6 says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. C, don't make provisions for the flesh. Don't make provisions for the flesh. Romans 13, 14, great reference. D, realize that you are dead to sin in Christ Jesus, realize that you are dead to sin in Christ Jesus. Dead men cannot sin, and there's references that are great references for that. E, judge your sin. Do it yourself. Judge your sin. Agree with God that it is sin. I can assure you that I made traffic stops in. Every once in a while, if I give somebody a warning, I can assure you it was because they knew they messed up and they just admitted it. You know what I'm saying? Because I can assure you, I don't recall ever giving anybody a warning that says, Oh no, I wasn't speeding, it wasn't doing me. Okay, here, sign right here. It's a whole lot better when we go to God saying, Lord, I messed up, I'm wrong, please forgive me, than just leaving it to God to judge your sin. I'm talking in the flesh. I'm talking about here as a child of God. F, confess your sins to God, 1 John 1, 19. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And as pastors mentioned before, and it's a, it's a given context, is, well, he hasn't said that, but context is king. The context of that passage is he's writing to Christians Hide God's written word in your heart and mind to make it easier to battle sin. The Blank there, easier to battle. Easier to battle sin. God has made a way to escape from temptation. The way of escape is the written words of God. Jesus Christ overcame his temptations and Satan's attack by quoting scripture that he had memorized. Think about that. Jesus Christ was all man. He was all God, but he didn't show up. I'm all. Uh, he was all powerful and everything, but as far as he wasn't using it, he had learned that scripture somehow. Four. The only sure way of overcoming sin in your life is through the power of the Word of God, as you hide it in your heart and apply it in your heart and allow the living Word of God to control you. Now, this next section I'm about to, to tell you my notes is not something that I quickly wrote when Pastor told me this morning that he was going to stay in here with the youth, okay? So when I, when I, it's something I already had down here. We are so blessed here at Mount Victory Baptist Church that not only do we have a pastor that believes the critical nature of Scripture memorization, but makes, but, uh, makes it a priority for the people under his watch care. We also have the added bonus here at Mount Victory Baptist Church of actually having adults Within our, conversa- within our congregation that faithfully memorize Scripture, like Pastor and his entire family, like Brian Boots and his family, Josh Grosh and his family, Barbara Mihal, who dispel it's too hard for senior saints and anyone younger to memorize Scripture, and Neha to completely embarrass me to an open shame because English is her second language. And I can assure you, it's a whole lot easier for me to memorize Scripture in English than it is in Romanian. And it'd probably be a whole lot easier for her to memorize Scripture in her language than it is in English. Soon in America, like in other countries and throughout the history, it will become even more critical to have much Scripture memorized as possible. Forget about fighting for your gun rights under the Constitution. As Christians, what will you do when they make law and enforce it that being in possession of what will be considered vilely, wicked, hate literature, known as the Bible, specifically the King James Bible, becomes a heinous crime of the worst sort? For years, you know, I have thought about, you know, I need to bury a gun and ammo if I need it. I'm not saying it's not a bad idea. But always I've thought, when I do that, I'm going to bury some Bibles. Missouri is are going to become more heated by the establishment than guns are. H, trust God's promises to cleanse. That's a blank there. Cleanse you and to fight your battles for you. Live each day in the power of, of the Holy Ghost. Live each day in the power of the Holy Ghost. How do I keep the influences of a sinful world from affecting me? Hey there? Don't involve yourself with sinful activities or unrighteous environments. Of course, you must associate with unsaved people and even backslidden Christians in order to try to influence and win them. But don't get involved in their sin. All right. I don't know if I have ever made it, it's just because maybe I was working, they put me working or whatever, but as far as to a Christmas party or a New Year's party with the Area 4 office over the years. But they, every once in a while, they're having the summertime, a picnic. And everybody gets to a picnic, and I know Karen and I have gone, and we'll go there, because there's children there or whatever, but about an hour into it, we're taking off, because in about an hour into it, everybody's drinking too much beer Alright, but that first hour, being sociable, being there, everything's fine. They're you know cooking hamburgers, we're eating hamburgers. They got sodas, we're drinking, and your fellowship, and and that's fine. But there's always going to be a time where okay, it's time that hey, we need to go. All right, everybody in my office knows I ain't into drinking, I ain't into cussing, I ain't into any other stuff. So it's no it's no shock to them that hey, we're gone in an hour, hour and a half or whatever. Um. B, separate yourself from the ways of the world and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. C, realize that separation, is that in your notes as far as a blank? Okay. Because separate, uh, no, no, wait a second. Okay, good. Realize that, uh, yeah, separate yourself from the ways of the world. See, realize that separation is also a positive objective. Not only are you to be separate from the world, but you are to separate yourself unto the gospel. Romans 1.1. In conclusion here, to be successful in living in the spirit and not in the flesh, bound by sin, every day you must intentionally plan to live... That's not what I got. I, I know I changed it in the notes. Can you read that, Pastor Loud? To be successful in living in the Spirit and not in the flesh, every morning of every day you must intentionally plan to live in the Spirit and earnestly pray for God's help to do so. Correct. It's war, it's a new day. In the morning, we get new mercies from God. Alright? It's like, well, I do my devotions because of such and such and such, so I do it in the evening. I mean, that may be the case, but I mean it's critical that we start the day was seeking, okay, today I'm going to be focused on living for God, living right. I know I'm going to get attacked in the mind or whatever, my eye gate, as far as what I see. Be careful where you go, as far as what you see. You know, going to the beach, that's something that, you know, me personally, I would very much need to avoid unless it's like a deserted beach that'll help, because I don't, I don't get in the water anyhow, I'm too scared to shut, no, no, I'm not, all right, you got there in your notes there, the next two weeks Sunday school lesson will be on uh, how to pray, um, that is a long lesson, I'm looking at, I thought, I've got to break that into two weeks, uh, because it, the two critical lessons of all these lessons is the Word of God and praying, and so uh, it takes, and like, like I mentioned before, all these lessons we are just scratching the iceberg of that topic. We could go for a long time on this topic with dealing with sin in different aspects. We could go a long time with the word of God. We could go a long time in really studying salvation. We're just scratching the basics. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. I pray you'll be with us here in the service to come. I pray you be with pastor, empower him, strengthen him, and uh I pray that we'd be sensitive to your word, uh, and uh, Father, not just hearers, but Lord, uh, doers, let it change our lives, and uh, make us new um, women and men for your service, Lord, we love you and need you, in Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.